and welcome to another Round the Rotary uh, podcast with me, your host, J.P. Warren. And with us today, we have someone that's actually in the future. Um, they are recording this. It's uh, 4.13 p.m. Uh, our time on a Tuesday. When, wh- wh- what time is it there? We're, we're Wednesday morning, 6.13 a.m. All right. So if there's any games being played tonight, I'll call you. You place the bet, so we'll make it happen, or actually vice versa. Anyway, everyone on the line right now is uh, Jasper uh, Camacho, who someone I've known since 1998 uh, when I first started as a freshman at uh, Texas A&M. I was in a company called uh, F2 in the Corps of Cadets, and he was a senior. Uh, his brother and I became uh, best friends after that. He is the managing director at uh, Marius International, and uh, we're going to get into kind of and if people out there have never heard of it, that's fine. We're going to get into uh, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But before we begin, I got to say that Round the Rotary podcast is brought to you by Capital Petroleum Consultants. CPC specializes in project engineering, well site supervision, and all disciplines of the oil and gas industry. Contact us through www.capitalpetroleumconsultants.com to see what CPC can do for you today. And again, everyone, this is Jasper Camacho. Thank you so much for taking the time this early in the morning for you. Um, again, he's the man director at uh, Marius uh, International. Did I pronounce that correct? That's right, JP. I did. So, okay. So you're over in Singapore right now. We connected through, uh, I think, Eric, uh, your other brother mentioned to to reach out to you because I, I actually didn't realize that you were in the uh, energy sector uh, over there. I actually had no idea what you're doing um, for the past. How long have you been uh, international now? Uh, I would say with a couple of uh, stance outside of the uh, 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 abroad um, about since 2006. Okay, so 2000, so we're coming up. What is that? 14, 15 years. Okay, about so yeah. so you're so you're I uh, see. I love this. I mean, your lens and your view of the of the energy industry and doing business internationally is completely different than I think the primary uh, listeners uh, to this. So I'd love to get uh, some kind of feedback that you may have or insight that you have that may come as everyday knowledge to you that us over here don't know. So why don't you just get us kicked off and take, talk about your background? Obviously, you went to a Europe in San Antonio, but you kick us off. Go ahead. Thanks, JP. Well, first of all, I, I think uh, your podcast is uh, well done, and I've been enjoyed following uh, you know your, your conversations and um, and you know I'm, I mean originally from Texas, so I always have uh, you know a vested interest to see how people in Texas are doing, whether it's oil and gas or not. But, uh, you know, it's, it sounds like uh, everyone that you've interviewed uh, have a lot of fortitude. Um, they're, you know, kind of, you know, I feel like there's a bit of a, you know, kind of, uh, you know, scare and things like that. But I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, if anything, uh, from you know, being from Texas, I know Texans are, you know, highly you know, have a lot of grit in them and they'll figure it out, you know, no matter what yeah. they're doing and whether the market kind of bodes for them. Um, look, I mean, just, you know, quick, 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 quick background. I mean, originally from San Antonio, although, you know, I grew up in military family. So, you know, I was born in Korea and moved around a little bit, you know, amongst uh, U.S. base to U.S. base. Um, after graduating high school, you know, there was a part of me. So how many places did you, did you live before, uh, I guess, your family moved to uh, San Antonio? Uh, I, I would say five, four or five places. I mean, okay. you know, but I mean, right. you know, outside of Korea, it was mostly like Georgia, North Carolina and El Paso. Okay. Right. Um, okay. You know, but, uh, and, uh, yeah, look, I mean, you know, enrolled in A&M, um, you know, kind of, you know, not really knowing what I was doing, but knowing that, you know, I probably would have, you know, kind of served the military of some sort. So the Corps of Cadets, uh, made a lot of sense, uh, major in economics, um, you know, again, you know, there was really no kind of thought behind it. Just, you know, I thought 
economics in high school was kind of interesting. So I thought of kind of, yeah, why not? That's literally how I live my life. There's no thought and sense behind anything. You just do it. So, <laughs> so did you do the military after college? Well, that, okay. So that I, I, I did, um, I was commissioned as a second Lieutenant, but, uh, you know, at that time, there was a uh, program called, uh, I believe it's called the RSVP program, where the uh, Texas Army National Guard had a lack of what they call junior officers, second lieutenant, first lieutenants, okay. and captains. And so there was a scholarship uh, to basically go through um, ROTC and be commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Texas Army National Guard. And that was, that was what I did. It was interesting because they paid for a lot of, of, of college, but... Uh, which was great, uh, but you know, it also kind of lended towards um, serving uh, as a, a national guard or reservist, um, and and kind of uh, you know uh, developing my private sector career at the same time. So. so your brother, my buddy Ben, yeah, he did the Coast Guard. Correct. I remember that he did the Coast Guard. Then after nine eleven, he actually yes. got. Uh, I guess the Coast Guard uh, during times of war, they go from. Department of Transportation to Department of Defense or something like that. So he had to, so, he, yeah. missed, he missed his senior year because he had to go to Galveston correct, and ride four wheelers in Galveston. So that's right, what he right. did. So so you so you so you did the the reserves for a little bit after college. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All well, right. I, I mean, I mean for, for a long time. So I served uh, ten years to, total as a as a reservist uh, guardsman, um, and oh, okay. and f- finished as the rank as captain, right? But the, you know, on, honestly, you know, uh, you know, my, my military career was pretty pretty lackluster. There wasn't really any real major deployments, or you know, fortunately, yeah. um, right. during that time. So. So 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 after that, so so you you graduated in M with economics. Uh, yeah. You were, you were a very tough senior in the Corps cadets. I remember because so you were <laughs> you were a senior in the same outfit that I was. I was a fighting foxes company F two, right? And uh, you were one of the toughest seniors I've had. Where actually you let us actually hang out in your room while the rest of the people were being uh, crapped out in the hallways, which is a great time for me. So so you do that yeah. then. I so wanted then to what? train my I wanted to my train my freshmen to understand you know kind of. Uh, being flexible in all situations. So, you know, you know, that you could be PT'd out there by uh, your sophomores, but, you know, at the same time, you know, you could, you, you'll be just uh, as uh, versatile to, you know, relax in a senior's uh, room, uh, you know, uh, potentially, you know, kind of enjoying TV or whatever privileges uh, seniors. I love, how you, I love how you just, I love how you just spun it when you actually just say, I was just being cool. So anyway, so, <laughs> so, so then you went to, where'd you go get your MBA? Okay, well, look, I mean, I, I guess maybe the flow will probably be, I graduated A&M, um, but, you know, while graduation my senior year, I was, uh, you know, somewhat recruited by one of my economics professors uh, to intern at this uh, economic consulting firm called uh, LECG. Uh, okay. So it's happened, you know, they, you know, they have offices all over the, you know, the, 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 the country. Uh, but you know, they actually had an office in college station. So, I mean, so it was easy internship. Uh, so took that internship, but then it kind of just followed on to a full-time job. And I was placed in a practice where it was more, uh, kind of, it was basically advising, uh, uh, electricity sector types of, uh, reformation and, and policy development around, you know, what back then was, you know, very early days, but. I think today we kind of take it for granted is basically a competitive merchant power sector. Uh, you know, previous to the, you know, say nineties, a lot of including Texas was all kind of bundled utilities, 
Right. So a company like TXU in Dallas, you know, would basically do your generation, uh, do your high voltage transmission, would do your distribution. You know, post uh, say 2000, you know, kind of the way the world's going, uh, and especially U.S. is you know, you unbundle these companies so that now you know generation is a competitive market. So anyone can you know who has the capital and and you know obviously you know apply technically yeah. uh, can can compete against each other, right? And then. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you probably get a lot of calls from a lot of what they call the energy service providers um, to kind of power your home. Well, now that that market opened up as well. And so you, now you have two sides of the coin where it used to be a monopoly. It, it, you can have a competitive market. And so and that's what kind of work I was looking into. So I guess that was your first introduction to, I guess, the, the, the energy market. Correct. That's right. Yeah. So, right. so what did you think about that? Did you enjoy it? I mean, was it was it interesting to you? Was it kind of like, well, I mean, what would you want to do, I guess, uh, versus like, how did you get wrapped up into it? Well, again, I mean, it was more of a, you know, uh, I, again, not, not a lot of thought, in, you know, in terms of, you know, where to go with it. I mean, I, I graduated economics degree and, and, you know, I, I felt like whatever was presented in front of me was one where I could, you know, you know, being, you know, it will be interesting enough to learn from it, and right. you know, you know, at the time, you know, you don't really know much, uh, uh, you know, as as a graduating undergrad. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it was interesting. You know, I mean, you know, uh, high demand type of uh, uh, sector. Uh, this is when more or less Enron imploded back in, uh, you know, I'd say oh, yeah. you know, 2000, 2001. So you know, all of a sudden, you know, you have that kind of, you know, kind of electricity and markets like that can be front and center into the news. So. You know, it was definitely uh, a, a time where it was uh, a, a kind of a restructuring and, 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 and you know, advancements and, and, and you know, just, just a general kind of uh, uh, focus of that sector was, was up, and, up and center, front and center. What was, what was that like for you, I guess? Um, your, first, your first job after college, you know, you're in the electricity market and all that stuff. And then the, then the Enron bomb pretty much hits that kind of. I feel like it, it sent shockwaves. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know much about it. Shame on me, but I felt like it felt sh- it, it hit shockwaves all across. I guess the entire industry. What was, I guess, your uh, perception of that uh, when it, when the en- Enron thing yeah. blew up? Well, I'll put it in context. I said, okay, so I I, I took this job at LECG, um, worked there until like uh, probably end of two thousand, well, third quarter of two thousand one. I was actually I actually moved to Boston, right, and 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 was working there for a while, and then. Uh, was recruited by a client, uh, TXU, which is why you brought that name up, um, and then moved to Dallas and is working for their energy trading uh, division, uh, a competitor of Evron or a counterparty of Enron at that time. Okay. And and so I think it was like maybe three to four months into the job um, is when kind of, um, you know, Enron imploded. Uh, you know, you see your stock prices kind of precipitously drop very quickly and then all of a sudden declare bankrupt, uh, bank, bankruptcy. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously it was, you know, again, in the, in the power sector, um, you know, you don't get a lot of news, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, a, a kind of you know, the controversy surrounding Enron, um, right. you know, the fraud. And, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a few books and, and movies out there and, and, and you know, really uh, in, a, in a kind of somewhat boring uh, industry such as electricity, at least back then, we can talk about today. I think it's kind of, you know, there's definitely a lot more dynamics uh, now. Uh, you know, I, I obviously, you know, just made it a, a, a very uh, interesting time. 
And then, as it were, you know, what happened when Enron imploded, all of a sudden, you know, you have a bunch of uh, very high ta highly talented, uh, experienced professionals just basically, you know, kind of being distributed all over the, you know, the world. Right. And, right. and so a lot of my colleagues uh, were former Enron colleagues and my, you know, my boss was from Enron at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, look, I mean, you know, honestly, it's, it's, there were some bad actors at Enron, but I mean, the people I've had, you know, countered are, you know, just really good people and, you know, just real high caliber and, you know, uh, and you know a what, lot of them went on to do good things. So, but you know what though, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the song of dance, not just our industry, but kind of any industry, right. you know what I mean? There's, there's a few bad apples and once, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's, 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 it should be brushed under the rug, but that kind of kind of sets this, it, it's pretty normal, you know. It's usually when like something bad happens, it kind of it it, it leaves kind of a, a, a tar, you know what I mean, on the rest of the industry, or the rest of the company. When in reality, people are just going to work, trying to do their jobs and collect a paycheck, take care of their families, you know. But I think it wrapped up this whole Enron muck, this whole guru, or whether it's Enron, whether it's company X, company Y, because company couple people did some shady dealings. It sucks because it, it's. People get branded with that industry, and once and once news and once the media takes control of that, they start writing the narrative. Versus, kind of, man, I was just trying to go to work, take care of my family. Shit, yeah. I had no yeah. idea what was going on. So anyway, so no, that's right, on. that's right. I mean, you know, back in A and M, you know, Enron was recruiting on campus, and you know, that was one of the more sought off, you know, yeah. jobs, right, to come out. Yeah. And then now, I mean, I I don't know if this is true or not, but I mean, I I would suspect that you know having that on your CV is somewhat you know probably again tarnished, right, and you know, I, 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 I'd say unfairly, right? Because, you know, back, you know, Enron was a lot of the pioneer of, you know, kind of what we see today in terms of deregulated electricity markets, which I think yeah. is a good, good thing. I think competition is good, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, it benefits consumers and, you know, kind of overall, you know, kind of stakeholders. Is, in the is, power there, is there, before, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but is there a lot of competition yeah. where you're at? Uh, in terms of, Oil and gas, uh, which I can yeah. speak about, you know, and talk about a bit more detail. Uh, well, yeah, it depends, no, right? Uh, I mean, we get into that, but I mean, you're talking about competition, you, and you and you and you support competition. I was just kind of just thinking right now, off the cuff. I mean, where you're at right now is there is it is a very highly competitive market? Well, okay, we can talk about that. That I mean, from oil and gas perspective, I, I think, and and this kind of leads where where I feel like there's opportunities here is a lot of the markets in Indonesia, Thailand, Bangladesh, Vietnam, they're all controlled more or less uh, from, you know, kind of the national state oil companies, right? Okay. And and so when you talk about competition, no, there isn't a lot of competition for a, a, a lot of a big swath of the sector. Right. And, you know, and, and where there is allowable competition where, you know, kind of more small oil fields, um, yes, there's a lot, you know, there, there there is a lot of people chasing these fields. Um, so, you know, I, okay, well, 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 fast forward ahead. I mean, you know, what, a lot of what work I do is advisories, uh, to, you know, putting together, um, you know, structures and deals for, uh, consortiums or joint ventures or partnerships, um, to develop energy and infrastructure projects. Uh, okay. so we cover power aviation, um, which includes rail and airport types of investments, uh, and oil and gas, um, upstream, midstream, downstream, right? And uh, uh, from the upstream part, uh, you know, you know what you have in Asia and, and the markets I work with, it's mostly Southeast Asia and, and to some extent, some parts of South, South Asia, which includes Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. 
Um, you know, you have a legacy where, you know, kind of the, you know, the traditional oil companies, like Exxon to Shales, uh, uh, had, had come to Asia and, and a lot of wh- why World War II and Japan was involved with was, you know, kind of control of oil resources, right? Well, is it, and, isn't, and, that why, isn't that one of the main reasons why uh, Pearl Harbor uh, occurred? Because the, 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 the supply of oil was cut. Trying to cut supply of oil, and then you know, uh, you know, like I don't want to get too geopolitical because I have a lot of Japanese friends, but you know, kind of trying to control, you know, kind of the oil resources that was developed by, uh, you know, BP or predecessor BP, BP, and and the predecessors of Exxon and Shell. Uh, okay. You know, a lot of the oil, Indonesia basically had a lot of already developed the uh, fields of oil, right? Okay, I know that. Back then, which what's now Myanmar, but Burma, you know, also had you know quite a lot of developed fields in Bangladesh. And okay. so, you know, that's where you see, you know, it's not, it's not any uh, mystery of why, you know, why, you know, a lot of the conflict was kind of in these countries during World War II is because that's where it had resources. So, you know, there was a lot of oil uh, kind of back then. Um, these, co- these companies were kind of pushed out. Uh, and then I guess, you know, if you look at history, a lot of the, the governments formed and the national oil companies kind of took over these and, you know, I, I think kind of where we see a lot of uh, patterns is that, you know, wherever there is a national oil company, uh, you know, fr- fr- from their kind of incumbent markets, um, developing fields, you know, we, we think that they always go for the low hanging fruit, right? And in terms of the well development yeah. and production. And, yeah. and so, you know, when you look at these fields, you know, they, that are abandoned or kind of uh, uh, capped up, you know, you go back in there, there are still, you know, a lot of resources underneath it. So, so the, the, the business model that we've developed um, is helping, uh, you know, advance some, uh, you know, investments into, you know, proposing to the, the state or proposing to, you know, whoever has the rights over these fields. You know, can we come in uh, and come in as partners, like at-risk partners? We bring in the funding, we bring in the technology partners, go in there using modern uh, management and process and, and, you know, obviously technology, uh, uh, re-enter the well, see what else yep. is out there squeeze squeeze as much as we can possible as possibly do and 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 sell it and then you know kind of do, do a uh, kind of a, a profit sharing arrangement where you know the the original or the the owner of the of the will doesn't put any money doesn't put any risk it, for them it was just a, a dried up piece of land uh but now it's yielding some cash flow for them and so you know that that model is is, is what we've been proposing there, there's a tender in Bangladesh with the, uh, the 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 state-owned oil company called Baypax that we're actually um, uh, the bid deadline's Monday, so we're preparing uh, for that deadline um, and proposing there. Uh, we're doing this in in Indonesia, Thailand, Myanmar, looking to try to do in Vietnam. Um, I'm, I'm 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 gonna have to slow you down. I think I skipped the bullet by asking that question about competition because I I, I mean I, I'm so fascinated about how you went from. Graduating in economics, going to Boston, coming back to Dallas, and now you are in electricity. But now you are in Asia, working these uh, these these. Yeah. Comp- it seems like they're complex deals with national oil companies, working with this investors and all that stuff. So, can you walk me from you going from the electricity <laughs> grid to actually being over uh, in, in in the is the far, far east? For the last sixteen years, if you don't mind, I mean, because yeah, I'm, well, I'm, you you present me with a topic, I'll I'll jump on. I know, I know. And Look, that's a, I, like I told a, you, like hungry dog and a bone, basically. <laughs> Look, even 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 though even though I'm doing a podcast, doesn't mean I'm good at asking questions. Okay, I'm good at I'm good at bullshit, and that's about it. So no so how do you go from living in? Walk me through this. Going to Dallas to actually uh, 
transferring, I guess, moving your entire life and, uh, and, and starting there and, and, and growing what you're doing right now. Yeah, look, I mean, okay, so I'm in Dallas working with TXU, and a lot of my work is, you know, developing, you know, software uh, as a quantitative analyst, you know, to help traders, uh, you know, kind of uh, value a lot of their positions and, and, and you know, basically pricing uh, okay. of the commodity assets. Um, and so, you know, I was really kind of trying to figure out, you know, what to do, you know, with my life there. I was like, you know, do I continue this route uh, uh, during that time? Um, a lot of uh, fields in terms of computational finance or quantitative finance was evolving. This is the kind of the predecessor of the quant that we see today, the quant trader. And, and so I was I was researching programs because you know if, you know I, I had some software development expertise and understand economics and trying to put those together. Uh, but then you know kind of looking at that uh, you know it was kind of bleak in terms of you know sitting behind a screen and. Um, you know, developing code around, uh, you know, these, these algorithms. Um, it just didn't really see, you know, kind of didn't really suit me. That sounds so developing code. Yeah, but I mean, if you look, that's that's what I do Saturday nights. Like that's hot. (laughs) It's hot now. Right. I mean, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, obviously there's a lot of, uh, interest in tech and things like that. But I mean, for, for me, I was, I was, you know, I want to kind of, I want to deal with people. Um, I always, had an inclination for going overseas just because I've never really worked overseas. Okay. Uh, enjoyed, you know, to my time, you know, we have family in Korea. So visiting them, uh, got to do a, a, a kind of a, a Europe program in, at a and um, I was very lucky uh, to do. Where'd you, uh, where, what was that program? Where'd you go? Yeah. So it was a very uh, small program. You know, you know, I don't know if you remember in, 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 in at AM, there's this, uh, the, the force MSC foresight art galleries, right? It's a, sm- yes. it's a gallery. In the MSC Memorial Student uh, Center. Yeah, you're and walking. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I, I, it was in a battalion. Maybe I saw an advertisement of you know them looking for you know kind of two student volunteers uh, to basically uh, come on a trip and help a lot of donors of the of the art gallery kind of just visit Europe and look at glass art, right? So I applied. You know, like everything else, there's not no thought behind it. Um, you know, just saying I'm interested, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, it was likely to be selected. And it was interesting because, you know, I, I actually got paid a stipend, um, you know, I, I think it was like $500 for over six weeks. Uh, and I got to stay at, you know, I would say probably more like four-star hotels and, yeah. and, and basically, you know, carry luggage uh, for the, uh, the, the, the donors uh, from all the way from uh, Perth, Scotland, Going down, you know, through you know UK over to France to Czech Republic, down to Austria and down to Italy, uh, on a bus with these guys, uh, and 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 basically room board, everything was paid for. Right, it was it was kind of very cheap and a profitable way to you know kind of get to see Europe, enjoy Europe. So, again, it's this little niche that I like to find and try grab these things. I think you'll see that there's a pattern in in all these things. So, so that was so that was kind of your first experience with uh, internet, like international. Uh, Commerce, or what do you want to call it? Well, As a student carrying back uh, luggage around, I would say. But uh, well, I, I mean, it, I, it, it was. I, I was a TA on a marketing trip, I think, in two thousand one. Yeah, I yeah. felt I was like, oh yeah, this is international marketing. Mind you, it was probably a pub crawl for you know eight different countries for about yes. 20, 21 days. But it was, but yeah, it was like, oh yeah, I, I like the international. I like 
I want to do something like that's kind of what drove me to get my master's in France. It was it was the international how business is conducted over in different countries, which drew me over there. So yeah. so it was kind of your first experience, too. I would say as an adult or, you know, pseudo adult. Yes, it was definitely. All right. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So uh, where, where did I go? Okay. Yeah. So now the decision is, you know, kind of, I, I knew I wanted to work abroad. I, I think energy is as good as feel as any other, right? I mean, I was not going to go into, uh, you know, tech or pharmaceuticals or anything like that because I don't have any background. Well, what, it's like, okay. well why, ener- why energy? Well, no, I, like I had the background in it, right? So it was, um, I, you know, I, I think energy just came to be a more of a, it came to me versus I went to it. And so, okay. you, know, okay. you know, graduating a you know, I, I honestly, you, you can throw a rock and hit an energy type of job and, you know, you know, it'll, it'll be, a, uh, you know, kind of, you know, pretty robust pickings for everyone, okay. anyone. Um, yeah. So look, I mean, it was a decision where, whether to, do I become a technical person in the, in the field of quant finance or do I just want to go get my MBA and I thought MBA was more suitable of doing, you know, uh, you know, types of work abroad and, you know, kind of, you know, more right. people centric versus, you know, computer centric. Uh, so uh, I applied to a variety of programs and I, I thought I, I applied to Harvard Business School and, you know, kind of as a, you know, I, I, I would regret not applying and, you know, obviously applied to a, a few other schools that, you know, I felt like. Yeah, that, that was that was the you know what if I get it I get it if not whatever I got other stuff yeah at least I tried at least I tried yeah well, at, least, look. at least I tried yeah well look I mean that kind of you know did that and then maybe uh, six months later I get a I get a email saying uh, you know uh, alumni uh, from HBS wanted to interview me uh, and had that interview in, in 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 Dallas and it was supposed to be for like an hour lunch and it turned out to be like a two and a half hour conversation. Uh, you know, and, and, and this particular person really sold me on the, uh, you know, the, the program and the, uh, the, uh, you know, kind of, you know, the brand of HBS and experience of HBS. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you sold me on HBS. I, you know, more than happy to join. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it was very welcoming, very, uh, kind of, uh, you know, good, good conversation. And then, then, you know, two months later, you know, I, I get an email and it looks like I got admitted. And so, you know, kind of, a sh- you know, somewhat of a shock, but, uh, you know, uh, was lucky enough to do, to get it. And, um, yeah, I ended up going to do my MBA there, uh, okay. you know, basically uh, in Boston again. So, you know, as you know, I, I, after a and went to Boston, uh, came back to Texas back to and then back to Boston, which uh, yeah. you, in a conversation we'll have, you know, you'll, you'll see I went to Boston again. Um, and... Uh, yeah, f- phenomenal program. Uh, you know, great faculty. Uh, open up the world in terms of you know, obviously, uh, you know, everything uh, business related as one would expect. But I mean, just I the way like, I, I kind of feel like we can have a different, a, a completely new uh, podcast on the experience of uh, of the heart of the Harvard MBA experience yes. from a from a Texas boy, which which would be a, a great story in itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, th- I think it would be. Yeah, in, indeed, and you know, I don't want to go dwell on it too much, um, but I, I think. For our conversation and kind of where I see it going, um, I, I think you know the relevant uh, takeaway there is you know in, in between your first and second year, uh, you do an internship, right? Okay. And and it's up to you kind of to kind of manage and get hired for your own uh, internship. And so I had a couple offers uh, to work in investment bank in New York, Hong Kong. Um, you know, kind of decided uh, to take a more, I guess, path less, less uh, traveled and, and ended up in uh, Mumbai, India, 
working for a, a, co a company called Tata, and they have a, it's a it's an Indian conglomerate, and one of their divisions uh, or companies uh, they have is is a company called Tata Power. Uh, so, you know, it was a way that I could take my electricity energy experience and and, you know, kind of quickly go into a, uh, a different country and apply these, you know, kind of skills. Well, that, well that's that, that's interesting to me, because I mean, for, you know, for someone going, you know, A&M and do this, da, 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 get the Harvard MBA and you have these experience, go to Hong Kong, you have the experience, go to New York. Da, da, da. Why? Like, what was it with you or what was the decision process with you that made you choose a different path to go to India to Tata. I mean, what, what was it do this kind of like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do like, what, what kind of made you shift your, I guess, your focus and direction on, uh, I guess the, 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 the cush jobs, the plush locations, if you will. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer really that makes a lot of sense other than, you know, sometimes I have a gut reaction against, you know, following the flow. Right. Okay. So, you know, well, if, I see, if I see a lot of, I don't know. I mean, you know, if 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 I see a lot of people going to a fancy restaurant or popular restaurant, and you know, I see another restaurant around the corner that you know could look interesting, but there isn't really much many people there, I find it highly satisfying to go in there and find out. Well, this is really good food, and and okay. the chef and the wait, you know, the waiting staff is, you know, phenomenally, to, you know, to speak to, right? And you know, I I just, you know, for some reason, I, I I'm allergic to following the crowd somehow. Sometimes. Um, Have you always been that way? I I suppose I don't know right I don't know where it comes okay. from but it's just uh okay. uh you know which I don't know I mean maybe it's just because I had the experience with corps cadets where or and the and and some experience in the U.S. Army where it's highly hom uh, homogenized and you know and you know uh, somewhat bureaucratic and I, I just you know kind of felt like hey, that man. experience is not hey, so terrific. Jasper, Jasper, right now you tell me about the flood right now. All right, you talking to me right now? I'm sitting in Houston, a soda stream. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> so no, sorry. Uh, no, I mean, you talking plug? To me? do you get do you get a uh, advert uh, revenue for SodaStream now? Like, uh, no, <laughs> that's a minor plug. Yeah, SodaStream is a minor <laughs> sponsor for uh, Around the Rotary. Um, the best SodaStreams out there. No, but I, I mean, I get it. I mean, I don't know. You're right. I mean, it might be. I mean, I'm the kind of the same way, and I don't know why. I mean, when it comes, I mean, you notice a lot of people out of the core. Uh, they start growing their hair long. I just did yeah. this over the past two years, but. They start growing the hairline, start getting tattoos, start doing kind of stuff that's kind of against the norm, you know, uh, whether it's taking jobs, taking, you know, trying restaurants. I mean, it's I think that's interesting, though. Uh, it, it's the it's just because something feels comfortable and just because everyone's doing this path in this direction, that doesn't mean it's just for you, just because it's comfortable. Right. So I like the fact that you just said you just go with your gut like, hey, like, yeah, I could do this easily or. I can kind of go with my gut and do this kind of thing that I really don't know have much detail about or or research or soundboards to bounce things off of. I think that's I think that's uh I think that's a, a cool aspect of, of, of a character or drive or motivation, whatever you want to call it. I, I think I think what you just said was I could always go back to do this easily was somewhat part of it, right? Because I, I felt like an opportunity to work uh, in the electricity industry in, in India um, doesn't come to everyone. Uh, no. you know, on a daily basis. I mean, well, okay, it is if you're Indian and you want to go there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just felt like I, I would get more experience and, and more enrichment by, you know, kind of going to and getting out of my comfort zone, right? Uh, India is not an easy country uh, by any stretch of the map. I was going to say, how was, how was it working in India? How long were you there for? Yeah, so I think all told, you know, maybe let's call it three months and change. 
Okay. Uh, so it's like a summer internship. Um, okay. And uh, well, okay, it was a little bit uh, interesting because I, I I get there and I find out the uh, the MD of the Tata Power company uh, who actually sponsored my internship, you know, saying, you know, I want to bring this person in. And originally was, uh, as I understood it, um, very uh, interested that I had an energy trading kind of uh, background and experience. Okay. And I think he saw that, okay, well, there could be some opportunities in India to kind of bring that into the to their portfolio or their capability. Well, okay. I mean, the day I get there, um, I find out he gets he, he got sacked. And so they, they brought in, you know, obviously, you know, someone that replaced him and, and kind of a longtime Tata power guy. I mean, I don't know if you know about Tatas, but I mean, if they, they are a very big company in India and they do a lot of crazy things, uh, interesting things. No, yeah. no, I don't know about uh yeah. Okay. So, for example, they they own Jaguar. Uh, the you know they have a Tata Motor uh company, and they went in and acquired Jaguar. Uh, so so the, I mean you, the, the they're probably in things that you, one doesn't under you know not not aware right. And, and well, let me ask you a question. You, you you took this internship based on someone that knew you that knew your energy. Oh yeah, he does energy training. Got this. Got this. And all this stuff. Suddenly you go over there. You move. I don't know five thousand miles away. Six thousand. However long it is. Literally yeah. the other side of this world. Okay. Right. You move That's over right. there. The guy that was kind of not to be your mentor, but the guy that was supposed to, I guess, um, not be your ambassador, but I don't know what you want to call it. Sponsor. New, call him a sponsor. sponsor yeah. Sure, sponsor. He's gone. Yeah. A new person's in. How, I mean, I guess, what were you thinking? What, what was your reaction? Was it, okay, well, this is too much. I'm out. Or was it like, I'm going to just jump in. I'm going to find out like what, what I got to do. I'm going to get it done. I mean, what, what, was, what was your mindset, I guess, going to a new, different country? And uh, I guess jumping into the situation where you thought you had this sponsor, mentor, whatever you want to call it, and they're gone. Well, look, I mean, for me, I, you know, it wasn't like I grew up and saying I want to work for Tata all my life, and this is my op- once an opportunity to work there, and and you know, right. uh, the, 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 and and it wasn't that I want to set up an energy trading, uh, you know, and it's internship, so it was very temporary. So, uh, uh, it, for, uh, my perspective was just make the best out of it. Um, okay. We had we had a meeting and a conversation with the. Uh, the owner and you know chairman of Tata Group, uh, a, a man named Ratan Tata, um, and and you know from the power sector, he was very interested in seeing where he can bring his uh, markets abroad. You know, in India, you know, although so this is a a, a multi-billion-dollar company in Tata, hundreds over a hundred and something years of of real you know kind of longevity and and, and okay. life in in the company. Have done a lot of things in in the uh, you know whatever you know company and, and and sector that they're they're in, but if you look at Tata Power, it was quite small compared to the other companies, and and a lot of it is just because you know as we said competition, the Indian government uh, really doesn't allow like we see in U.S. a lot of private players at least back then uh, participate in the uh, power sector there. So they yeah. were frustrated, you know, they can't make any growth happen in India. They have a lot of wonderful engineers, they have a lot of capital to deploy. And so it's like, okay, what do we do? So my job was to help, you know, find a strategy uh, to go abroad, take them out of India, right? And so, you know, looking at markets that, you know, obviously proximity is is a uh, is, is a big, you know, kind of function in this uh, decision. You know, where can the, you know, their capital, you know, uh, be very efficient in terms of deploying it, in terms of, uh, you know, competitiveness of, of the cost of capital? Where would their engineers be, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, welcomed and, you know, they can actually, uh, you know, you know, do a good job. Um, so that was that was my job for that. My project was that was that summer. 
Well, so so that so that's a very interesting job, and I guess I guess, I guess go, going from someone from you know from whatever to going over there that that sounds very interesting, but also very challenging because you're in this situation, India. There's surrounding countries. I'm I'm not sure if you've been to or not, but let's let's skip that. Let's sure. pretend you haven't. Usually, when people are like, all right, well, I'm gonna over here. Oh, oh, there's this market here that loves this market. I mean, it seems like it's such a. It, there's so many different variables to bring in the fact, and the fact that you, if I've, international business is very different than U.S. business. You know what right. I mean? There's different right. cultural norms. I mean, do you discuss discuss business first? Do you build that five months of relationship? And then discuss business. It's it's very different each country you go to, and obviously you're de- different uh, dealing with di- very different um, cultures, business cultures, business norms, and all that stuff. So, how are you able to, I guess, uh, identify uh, uh, potential opportunities in one country versus another country versus another country? Being this internship cat that can't went over there for three months. I mean, that's that, that sounds kind of. Uh, Mind, uh, mind-boggling to me, if you if you don't mind. Well, look, I mean, I you know, let's take it for a grain of salt. It is an internship, and it, it is a uh, you know, kind of a, a study, uh, you know, into a problem or a uh, objective that they have. Uh, look, I mean, you know, I, I, a lot of it's just common sense, right? I mean, you know, uh, you you would look at markets where there's uh, a lot of need or demand for new power generation. Uh, you would look at, you know, kind of culturally, you know, what countries get along with, uh, you know, an Indian company. So, for example, Pakistan is not probably a market that you one would go to because, you know, right. they're kind of obviously, you know, uh, a, a, you know, have a very conflictual relationship. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, the evolution of this particular, you know, internship was that, you know, you look at, you know, uh, places like East Africa. Proximity is not that far away. Uh High, high, you know, uh, high growth in, in 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 population and 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 the the power generation is just not keeping up with it, and so you look at that as like okay, well, and then there's also kind of a, a good India uh, diaspora in these uh, these markets, and so you know you, you see culturally that you know there is a fit and and you know and they do need there's not a lot of you know power companies in the world chasing after these markets, right. so you see that okay there's there's a pattern here that one could you know kind of uh, uh, you know, have a have a, a strategy around and develop a plan around, and so you know, in the end, that's kind of the conclusion that we you know we made was like, okay, well, you know, this is the markets that you know one would go after, uh, you know, kind of East Africa, Southeast Asia only because you know there are some uh, uh, you know India generation and Indian Indian um, power is really driven by coal, and so Indonesia coal is okay. is kind of like where you know a lot of that uh, supply is coming from. So just having some, you know, position uh, and some, you know, kind of understanding in the markets of Indonesia, you know, you know, capture this uh, kind of east-west flanks of, you know, the Indian uh, kind of as its core uh, is kind of where, you know, kind of naturally evolved. And so I guess the the satisfying thing aspect of it is, you know, we gave the presentation to Tata Power Management, uh, the chairman Ratan Tata. And, you know, you look at the year or two later after that, you see the news that, okay, you know, Tata Power makes a, uh, opens an office in Indonesia. Uh, Tata Power makes an acquisition in East Africa, right, in power sector. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm the one who did it, but, you know, I helped them kind of get, get to that kind I'm of, not, you know. I'm not saying you did it, but at the same time, it's, uh, you were at the table too. So, at the table but, and helping advance that conversation. Look, I, 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 I feel like I can talk to you for about four to six hours about your international experience right. and all that stuff. But I want you to get us caught up on kind of, um, because it's such a hot topic. I mean, um, 
it's not even a hot topic, but it's such an important topic. I mean, can you bring us up to speed kind of what you're doing today? Um, and, and, and how you are, give us, I I love having you on the show because, uh, what y'all do is, is, is you, you, you provide efficient, low cost energy to people that need it, to communities and people that need it. Okay. And, uh, here in the States, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of like, uh, fossil fuels versus renewable. It's, it's a versus, which is not a versus, but, um, you're actually kind of in uh, on the ground. You know what I mean? You, I, I feel like, and I may be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like your boots on the ground where you actually, Hey, look, I see what we're doing for these communities. You know what I mean? This sure. isn't like a high in the sky advertisement, bullshit, uh, uh, advertisement campaign. Like, Oh, we built four schools. Like you're actually boots on the ground. And I, and I would love for you to kind of catch uh, me up, uh, but also the, the listeners out there on kind of what you are doing uh, currently yeah. and, uh, and, and and what you're seeing and just the environment about it. And I'll probably ask you questions throughout, but I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, just fast forward. I mean, you know, I actually post MBA, you know, end up working uh, for a, a power company that was doing a lot of growth outside of, uh, of US. And so that kind of naturally drew me into that. Um, after I graduated six days later, I, I was hired to go to the Singapore office. Uh, so my first time ever in Singapore, you know, just kind of packed a suitcase and what year you know, is this? This is 2006. So this would have been, okay. a, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so we're, we're working in business development, investments, M&A, uh, looking at, you know, power opportunities in, in Asia. And you like you liked working with people at this time. I mean, you got yeah. Now you're actually working with people, and you're applying your technical skills too, right? Yeah, you're working with people, and I think as you say, the compelling part of it is you're dealing with, you know, a need, right? And Asia is a high growth region in terms of energy consumption. You could throw a megawatt hour or BTU at the market, and it will suck it up, right? Um, okay. So that's what you know was very enjoyable. Uh, you know, anyway, so you know, I I don't want to pr- uh, kind of you know, just focus on my career. I mean, you know, I, I think the the question you're asking is a good one. Uh, Thank so, you. Uh, worked for a couple of, you know, kind of corporate development uh, uh, roles in, in, in until uh, 2019. Then 2019 is kind of where I was like, okay, well, I have a very good network in Asia. I have, uh, you know, some track record in, 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 in doing deals of, of, of you know, kind of, uh, of some note. And so I decided to start a company called Marius International. Uh, Marius is my son's name. Uh, you know, just a tip, you know, when, when you have your first kid, uh, you know, child, don't name your company after that person just because you don't know what the second child is coming and, and now you have to figure out what to do with that name. Uh, well, then, then, fall, then, then the kids are going to start talking and say, hey, who do you think dad loves more? Yeah, oh, exactly. Or, or do I own a company, company or, you know, you? Exactly. Do they name the company after you? I don't think so. So yeah, I, yeah. I get it. Favorites, exactly. favorites. Exactly. But then it's too costly to change a name. So you know, let's. Uh, it's it's you know. too much. Yeah, I know, I know. Um. <laughs> so you so you, you tell me about this. So you say you're making deals and all that stuff. You're bringing in people from different sectors, governments. I mean, yeah. can you go into that a little bit? But and and then segue into the the Marius because that stuff is fascinating to me. How you how you're bringing in players. It's not just the uh, the oil field service providers and the. EMP companies, you're bringing yeah. in governments, communities, da, 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 all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, let, let me let me talk about the kind of the 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 whale uh, reentry pro, uh, program that we're doing in a lot of countries. Okay. Right? Okay. okay. So so as as we we spoke earlier in a conversation, you know, there, there's a lot of whales that are kind of laying there that's idle, 
but you know our our uh, team you know feels like that there's uh, you know there's some you know uh, resources underneath that just hasn't been exploited. And so we go in there and and as, as I mentioned to you, a lot of these wells are controlled by the government, right? So uh, let's take the case in Bangladesh. Um, so Baypax is the uh, the Bangladesh uh, upstream oil company, oil and gas company that is responsible for development of fields. Uh, back in the day, Chevron w- had a very large presence, um, but then you know they kind of uh, slowly exited uh, just because they wanted to focus on the bigger uh, oil fields uh, in the world. And and so you know I I, I found actually an Aggie uh, class of '99 uh, you know from Taylor Texas. Right, that's the one by Tyler. Austin. No, Tyler. Taylor. 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 The one by Austin is Taylor. Right? And you, and what? You were ninety nine. I'm right? ninety nine. I'm ninety nine. So, okay. found this petro petro uh, uh, petroleum engineer uh, from ANAM, class of ninety nine, kind of in Thailand. You know, former Chevron. I guess just roaming. You know, the earth looking for oil oil wells to look at, and you know things like that. Uh, so, I mean, you know, look, I mean, while we're both class of ninety nine ANAM, I think that's kind of where the commonalities uh, kind of end. I mean, this guy is, uh, you know, he's my partner in in this yeah. sector, and uh, you know, so, uh, but you know, he he he's a bit of a petroleum nerd, right? So, I mean, all he cares about the data and and and, and the seismology, which is great because I don't have any capabilities in that front. Hey, Jasper, I'm not saying anything about petroleum engineer data nerds either. Okay, those are. <laughs> All my customers, so I love them all. <laughs> if you're listening, anyway, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, and then look, I and I. So we, so we, we formed a team, um, and 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 brought in some other people, and 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 basically saying, okay, this is the model that we're going to look at in in the region, and and basically it's it's basically, uh, uh, I, I guess you know, it, oil, you know, oil field reentry uh, type of business. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So look, I mean, you know, okay. Well, how how do how do you do these things, right? So I mean, you know, in these markets, you got to have a local partner, right? So you know, yeah. find find a uh, local company or entrepreneur that's you know, obviously. What do you, you what, know, what, what, what do you mean a local partner? Is that like kind of like an agent in the country that has connections? Because I mean, I remember being in Saudi. I mean, you yeah. need someone that has connections with certain th- people that can make business progress versus stall and stagnate. Yeah. Is that, is well, that I think of- I think a local partner has many definitions, right? An agent, it's like one side of the 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 the, the spectrum. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I, the the reason why I don't like agents so much is just because you know they're very temporary in nature. They're not going to see, you know, they they want to make a buck off of you yeah. or the deal. Um, and and you know, you really you really don't have any control over you know kind of how they're you know you know making their work uh, happen. You know, obviously, corruption is a big deal in a lot of these markets. So, you know, you you know, as an American, and you know, you don't want to get involved with that at all. Uh, so, so I guess I was asking. I mean, that's 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 my point. I mean, you say it's it's a it's it's a partner in a, in a foreign. I mean, so what do you mean, kind of like a partner? Someone that's been there for a while, someone that knows. I mean, how to re- recomplete wells with the with the personnel and the talent and the skill sets that are there. What? Yeah. Okay. They they make. They, they, I mean, there's no one cookie cutter uh, kind of size uh, model, but I mean, you know, you typically find someone who who you know gets the business model, uh, who wants to earn their keep, right? So they're they're in a sense equity partners, right? Um, yep. It may not be for cash. It may be just from in kind in terms of, you know, you know, doing the sweat work, sweat equity. Um, uh, you know, obviously able to liaise um, from a cultural or language perspective. You know, the 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 stakeholders, which in this case. You know, you have the counterparty, which is the oil, you know, state oil company. 
And then once you go in there, there's going to be many ministries and, you know, the, the government controls, you know, basically all these parts of the decision making. But then also, you know, kind of help, uh, you know, mobilize the local operators like, you know, the wireline company. You know, you know, how, how do we, you know, find someone like that? Do we need to bring our own uh, in or, you know, contract it out or procure things? You know, these are all things that we, <laughs> we need. We need help, uh, you know, you know, kind of looking at because it's not like Texas where, you know, there's just, you know, it's very organized, very you know, a lot, lot of companies out there and, you know, it's most like, okay, well, who do you have a good experience with? We don't have that choice a lot of, a lot of times we have to kind of well, create. It's not, it, honestly, not, not even Texas. Like it's not even a question if you have a good experience with it. It's like, okay, there's this directional company messed up. We have 500 more. So who's the next in line? You know yeah, what I mean? We don't like, have that. There's, there's, there's have an that. option here. There's the competition, as you were saying earlier, is here. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of what we need to do is you know vertically integrate just because you know we we have no other choice if we want to okay. do this job and 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 you know you know make a profit out of it you have to create right. your own ecosystem right uh, so you know you know that that's you know so finding your your right operational partners finding the right country partner uh, is is pretty key bringing a technical team and in this case it's kind of easier you know because we had like the, the former Chevron guys uh, and a lot of their kind of you know uh, people that. There's a lot of uh, really good 30 year old, 30 years uh, experience oil guys that you know came to Asia under their corporate uh, program and just kind of got lost here and, and, they, and stayed. they just stayed. They just so you you can pick a few of these guys and they're all really good yeah. just, and and yeah. you know they, they just don't want to go back to U.S. You know they'd rather you know be in Thailand for example and and live their hey. lives out. So. Hey baby, I get that man. I get that. <laughs> all right. So, so, I mean, you know, look, I mean, that's a lot of it's, you know, and then also then finally capital, right? So, you know, uh, you know, capital, you know, you're not going to find people who says, okay, you know, my, my investment thesis is to go into oil re-entry uh, projects uh, in Bangladesh, right? Because that's what my, you know, investment uh, uh, investors want. Uh, you really got to create a, a, a project that, you know, kind of can stand the t- test of time. You know, could be as good as quality, or if not better than, you know, say a, a project in U.S. Right? Just because. What do you what, what do you what do you mean What do you mean stand uh, stand the test of time? What do you mean by that? Well, look, I mean, you know, obviously you have to do your due diligence uh, technically, right? So you know, it, it can't be a, a expiration uh, type of uh, okay. uh, program, right? I mean, we, we're not. There's no one wants to gamble on on this in in these kind of types of markets, right? So, so that that's that's what I'm asking you. It seems like. And, and I may be completely wrong and all this stuff, but it seems like in the U.S. there, there there's a very uh, a growth mindset, and growth is just growth. You know yes. what I mean? It's, it's not operating a profit. Well, at least this how it was pre-COVID or pre-2019. It was growth, growth, growth. Buy acreage, get production up, get production up, get production up. Blah 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 blah. Versus operating a profit mindset. So that's kind of I, I feel like that's kind of what you're kind of leading to. It's like okay, like it's not like grow, grow, grow. It's what it's, it's a different mindset uh, in, 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 in your markets that you're dealing with versus it is in, in, in a West Texas, Bakken, uh, PA, whatever it is. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that a safe assumption to say? I, that's right. I, I think the difference is, you know, in the U S uh, you know, the, the, the environment for business, the, 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 the laws, the legal nature around the business is, is so good and so efficient that you know you don't have to worry about any of that right you know you just need to worry about okay you know do i think that there's a resource there you know it, it, can i make a play and and maybe you know that's gotten a bit too hot in the us i don't know the answer to that in in this side of the world right you know the the, the legal construct isn't perfect right the you never you're, you're dealing with the government 
right? So you never know that one day they like you, the other day it says, okay, I want to I want to renegotiate or I want you out. Do you sue them? You can, you can try, but you're not going to. Uh, so you re- yeah, you're telling someone that they don't trust the government already. So yeah, I get it. I get exactly. it. Exactly. So, you know, you have so many kind of uh, uh, factors that, you know, I think, I think, you know, if you live in U.S. or Europe, it's, uh, you know, working there, it, it's a luxury, whereas in these markets, it's not there. And so, you know, if you get someone to want to put money into these projects, you know, all this stuff needs to be adequately addressed, if not even better, you know, more. Right. Uh, and, you know, so that when they go in there, you know, look, the project itself will make a lot of money. Um, but, you know, the, the, the risk is still there, right? You know, let's say you're making a lot of money and, and you negotiate something like a, a oil sharing contract with the your counterparty, which you know happens in government. Oh, well, they'll say thank you very much for making a lot of money for me and you into that investment. I'll, I'll gladly take the well over and 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 you know kind yeah. of carry on. You know, I'll take yeah. you to the airport and see your way out and, and stamp yeah. your passport. You know, so that 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 that's the kind of risk that we're facing here. And and some people, some investors love it, right? You know, they say, okay, you know, I I get it. I I, I don't price the 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 discount on the risk uh, the premium on the risk as much as maybe others. Um, but you know a lot of people it's like all or none, right? And they you know if you introduce these elements of you know contractual risk or or sovereign risk as we call it, you know they just don't want to touch it. Whereas I find it very uh, I, I think there's a mismatch, right? Because you know this is where the growth is, right? This is where the demand in energy consumption. Is is, right? is 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 East Asia is is in Southeast Asia, South Asia. Southeast Asia. I okay. mean, and you look at okay, where where are we? China, couple billion people. India, uh, coming up over you know trying to catch up a couple billion people. Yeah, Southeast no Asia, problem. if you look at the population overall, it's about half a billion. So we have most of the population here. Most of it's not you know outside of China, India. You know, doesn't have a real big manufacturing base. Doesn't have you know their economies are growing, right? You know, still very, you know, uh, fast. So, so, so this is kind of a good segue and I may be kind of, uh, too stupid to bring this up in a, in a, in a, in a fashionable manner, but that's a very good point you have. You're bringing up this population, right? That needs energy, right? Yeah. That needs energy that's affordable because India, Absolutely. you know, Southeast. So can you talk to me or can you guide me on any thoughts that maybe you're sitting around the water cooler and you have and all that stuff? Because, there, I'm not, or a soda, I'm not, soda stream machine. Or, uh, so, or soda stream machine. So, so there's there's this huge population right now that needs affordable yeah. energy. Okay, what is what is the um, man? I, I kind of have so many questions about this 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 one niche point we're talking about. Number one, what is I guess the, uh, the I guess the, uh, the the fee I guess the uh, so all these emerging populations are people beating on their chest for like oh we just want you know, wind turbines and, uh, and, and solar are, are, is it welcoming it, it, are, are communities and, 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 and industries and companies welcoming the, uh, the, uh, the, the fossil fuel side of, uh, the, of, uh, of energy? Uh, it's, it's complicated, right? I mean, you know, and, and these are so many countries and they all have their own kind of, uh, right. individual right. characteristic of, you know, what they believe the right, uh, you know, recipe is going forward on the energy future. Um, look, I, I think renewables is very much in vogue. Uh, so, you know, if you set up a, a solar farm in Bangladesh, you know, just because, you know, kind of trying to keep the same market here, uh, and, and, and the contract is decent, you're going to find investors, 
right? Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's cosmopolitan, you know, you, you know, a lot of people are putting this uh, type of capital in, in, in asset class globally, right? Um, if you find, you know, doing something, what we're doing, um, you know, it's it, because it's improving gas production in a, in a country that already is wanting gas versus bringing a coal project. I mean, you know, we're going to get investment just because, you know, they feel like, you know, gas as a hydrocarbon resource isn't, you know, is, is actually conducive on their energy uh, requirements and potentially transition, if you were to call it that. Um, you know, look, I mean, in the end, you know, to get cheap power, uh, coal still rules the day in terms of, uh, you know, the need, right? For example, in Thailand, uh, one of the, you know, the, the state utility there is is tendering, you know, for a construction uh, of a, uh, a 600 megawatt uh, lignite coal power plants, right? Lignite is probably, you know, probably your dirtiest of all coal, right? It's basically okay. taking dirt and, and trying to burn it. Um, you know, so why did they do? Oh, they've already made a decision, right? The budget's there. They just they were, they were hiring an EPC contractor to build it, right? Why did yeah. they do it? Well, it's the cheapest form of power for them, right? And you know, they don't have the luxury of, you know, this. A lot of these countries, we don't. They don't have deserts like Texas does, right? They don't have a lot of wind resource or solar resource, uh, and and the in their the cost of generation is still quite you know expensive. They, they, there, there's some small projects in, in, in places like Thailand. Uh, Vietnam is very quite uh, aggressive in terms of the, what they call the, the, the feed-in tariff program. So basically, if you build a solar or uh, a uh, renewable project, the government will take it at a, some pre-approved pre, pre price. No contract needed. Uh, you build it, they will take it kind of uh, uh, okay. So, So you see that kind of developing. Um, look, it's still a very conventional energy uh, market here, right? I mean... You know, I think if anything, you know, LNG is where a lot of countries are looking to, you know, yeah. improve their 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 energy position. Uh, kind of, you know, if they were trying to transition away from coal. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, coal is a dying uh, sector, right? I mean, in, and the main issue is you should not financing well, it, is going to be difficult. It, it, it's a dying it's a dying sector, and I and I completely agree with you. But at the same time, I mean, and I, and I hate being this way because it's like if you agree with this, you're you, you know you're you know, oh, you, it's a whole polarized thing. If you agree with it, you're an asshole. But at the same time, you got to be realistic a little bit. It's like, yeah, coal's a dying sector and it's blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, these people can't afford to heat or cool their homes or refrigerate their milk or anything like that without a economically source of energy. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And unfortunately, I'd love it if we were all rolling on hoverboards you know, like powered off of sun and eventually, hopefully we get there one day. But right. currently in this environment, in this world, global economy, we're not there. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And I think there needs to be uh, less uh, uh, throwback or less punches thrown towards, you know, whether it's U.S. you know, shale industry or whether it's international industry when you're just trying to supply energy for these communities. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, so how do you, I mean, I guess, how do you deal with that? Um, um, those comments or the, is, is that the, a, a hot topic there? Not, not as much, not as much. Okay. Right. I mean, uh, I, you know, I think a lot of people and, and look, I, I, I worked for, you know, a, a couple of power companies doing investments and, you know, the equation back then is you provide cheap, competitive, uh, low cost, uh, energy, because that's all that's the only thing that people will buy, you know, in these yeah. markets. And and you know, so I've worked on, on a few coal deals and that's kind of 
you know, you, you see the benefits and, and, and how cheap it is. Um, obviously that's the way the world's going, you know, that that's, uh, you know, kind of a problematic, uh, stance to have these days. Um, but, uh, you know, look, I mean, in the end, the people who, who, who make the decisions and, and who, who, who supply their energy, you know, to their, their customers or their citizens, they understand the, the equation, right? That, yeah. you know, okay, they would love to have, you know, kind of, you know, the 100% solar, 100% wind oh, yeah. as an energy stream. But the problem is at nighttime, there's no sun, right? And there's yeah. not a very economic or efficient source of uh, storage. Uh, so, you know, having, you know, kind of, uh, you know, bringing in a baseload, what we call industry, uh, either coal or, or, or gas, uh, combined cycle, gas turbine, CCGT, power plants, it's, it's where things going. I see actually uh, less, there's, there's not a lot of pushback on, on, on oil and gas, right? It's just like, you know, we have this resource as a country, we don't right. have a lot of money, we need to exploit it, right? That's, that's dollars under, underneath the ground that, you know, is tax revenue, it's, 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 you know, kind of, you know, gets, it's a resource that they can bring to the market. They, their equation is that, okay, 40, 50 years from now, it's probably not gonna be worth as much or, you know, kind of high demand. So they're going to try to want to exploit it now because, you know, there is a market for that yeah. at, at this point in time. It's going right? to so shift, but at the same time, they know it's very, you know, re, highly required and needed. Um, so, you know, we, 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 there's no real, real kind of, uh, it's not like Europe or you know, in the U.S. where you know it's kind of a a sector that's going to die today, right? In terms of hydrocarbon. Uh, well, you know, it, yeah, it, it just looks like a negative uh, rhetoric we get from the news and the media and all stuff. But look, I know I know you got a busy day ahead, and I got a busy night, actually a non-busy night, getting home watching uh, Netflix. But I want to kind of uh, ask you something. So, there are listeners out there. Primarily, uh, there's a majority of them, um, uh, obviously, in the United States. And uh, I don't know whether they're private equity, whether they're operators, whether this and that. Um, I kind of want, I mean, if you don't mind, I mean, I kind of want, I mean, you brought up, you know, government challenges, this challenge, this challenge. I kind of want you to kind of discuss, I guess, the opportunity. That's uh, that, that where you're at, because I think, well, you, first off, what you're doing right now, I think, I mean, I remember talking to your brother, Eric, and uh, where's that now? Thailand? Yes. yes. Yeah, he's in Thailand now. And I was talking to Eric and Ben, um, and uh, they were mentioning what you do. And I was like, blown away. I mean, you were do you're doing stuff that uh, you're bringing, I guess, affordable, efficient energy to communities. You're bringing in government, you're bringing in this, you're bringing in that. I think it's so awesome what you're doing. It's it's so cool what you're doing for the communities and the, and the, and the, the local communities you're part of. Um, that being said, if people are listening, I had somebody on here from a Redbone Resources. Um, it's a startup company. And they're trying to get out there and trying to see what other opportunities are out there. What opportunities are out there for, I guess, uh, uh, whether it's U.S., European, whatever like that, to uh, maybe reach out to you and, and engage in a conversation just to find out if it's even worth their time or 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 even if it's uh, worth pursuing. I mean, is there anything that you can kind of talk about? Yeah, look, I mean, there's a couple of things uh, on, on that matter. Uh, you know, one, one area and, you know, I, I, so, okay, we have a client in Indo- Indonesia that is an upstream, traditionally upstream uh, developer um, company. And, and you know, they, they're, they're looking at renewables as a place where, okay, it's coming. And so they said, well, okay, well, I have a lot of, uh, you know, kind of geologists and, 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 and petroleum engineers that are very good at, you know, kind of you know, understanding subsurface risk. 
but you know, at the same time, you know, we, we, they want to kind of get into the renewable energy space. And Indonesia is, you know, high demand country as well. Coal is where you know it's all the the, the supply of, of, of production of energy is from. So they say, okay, well, what what, what makes sense? Geothermal. Right, so geothermal, you have to deal with, you know, subsurface geological uh, attributes. Um, so I was looking at their 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 uh, their pro their progress, and when you look at their project, you know, they, they were beating a upstream uh, hammer at a power project, right? So no, no doubt you need that kind of expertise from the subsurface side, but what they didn't understand is like, okay, well, the power side it can be just as compl complicated and complex. Uh, from a technical, from a financial uh, uh, kind of uh, perspective, so now we're, we're we're going through their whole project, restructuring it, um, kind of replanning and remapping it, so that okay, now it looks like a very more uh, you know com competitive project and and more financially viable project. Uh, so, like for for your 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 customers or your listeners, I mean, you know, I I would say, look, you know, uh, you know. Through myself or the, you know one of my you know many partners, we have a lot of you know uh, uh, people that are very well versed in power project development, and you know geothermal is I think a place where you know you'll you'll find some uh, wonderful natural kind of crossovers from you know your your listeners and their companies, right? You're still in the end digging uh, holes in the ground. A lot of technology that we're looking for oil reentry, actually we can bring over to uh, uh, geothermal type of thing because you know it's it's you know kind of perforation tools. Okay. Uh, capabilities. Um, you know, the, we, we use a, a product called Gas Gun or Kraken in the U.S. Um, so, you know, basically we're bringing this out to Asia. Uh, this is traditionally developed around the oil and gas uh, uh, sector. So, you know, you know, think ha have you guys think about that, right? And we can help. So, so, so if I'm sitting there and I'm at a uh, whether it's a completions company or whatever like that, and I got this new technology out there, and I, it yeah. it's, might be worthwhile. And look, I'm not plugging you because I love you. I'm I'm just plugging you because it's what you're doing right now. Like I'm unfamiliar with it, and but maybe people might be understand it more. You know. Um, yeah. It might be benefit beneficial to talk to you to see if there is a market for that, to see if there is a, a use for that to kind of uh, the the projects that you're kind of dealing. Yeah, with. that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. So, like, you know, we're happy to utilize your tools or whatever pro solutions that your you know someone brings in. You know, if it makes sense, right? And so, yeah, yeah. happy to look at that. Uh, on the, you know, look, I mean, if 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 uh, oil field reentry uh, piques anyone's interest, right, and you know, kind of, you know, running around South Asia, Southeast Asia. Well, okay, the market's there and always looking for uh, collaboration opportunities. Um, you know, if someone really wants to invest in these projects, happy to have a conversation, uh, you know, to see if this is something that's right for for, for someone. It, it's a funky market, right? You know, so, you know, what we have is we have partnerships oh, all over the country. Funky market. You're talking about U.S. Uh, U.S. shale right now, and it's that's a disastrous market. So why don't you tell me about your funky market? Well, I, I explained a lot of it. It's just like you know, kind of a lot of uh, country, you know, kind of level risk. A lot of you know, kind of government uh, management, uh, you know, stakeholder management. Uh, but you know, in the end, if you do it well, you find the right partners. Um, you have people who are experienced. You know, it can be well worthwhile. Uh, you know, project. There, there's money to be made in these markets, right? It's just. It takes a little patience. Um, it's not as fast as you know the U.S. market. Yeah, but I I I kind of feel that that outlook literally can be applied to kind of anywhere, any market, whether it's Mexico, Brazil, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Nigeria. I kind of feel that process is kind of uh, it's anywhere international. But uh, uh, it, it it's more in, uh, endemic in I would say emerging markets uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yes. and, and a lot of these emerging markets happen to have a lot of resource to you know to 
develop. So yeah, I mean, that's something we, we can help as well, right? Um, uh, you know, we, we like to focus in Asia, but we also have partners in, in Africa, South America as well, so that, you know, we can, you know, bring them. Uh, well, you've been over for 16 years. You're probably pretty uh, well connected. Are you yeah. enjoying it over there? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, look, I mean, Singapore, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, you've ever been here, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice place to raise a family. It's a, a extremely safe place. Uh, it used to be much more interesting when you could travel, but, you know, I've been here since March of 2020. So, you know, it's starting to get a bit of a, get a bit of island fever in terms of, you know, not, not traveling. Uh, uh, so almost a year uh, of, you know, uh, due to COVID. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it's, it's a great place. I, I love, I love it here. Uh, the markets here and, uh, you know, again, it's, it's still a pretty exciting place to be in the end. Well, brother, man, uh, is there anything I'm not bringing up that you want to bring up? Cause I think we're kind of coming close to time or is there anything I'm not bringing up that you'd like to kind of just ping or plug real quick? No, no, no ping, no plug. It's just a fun to catch up with you. And, uh, you know, I, look, I mean, we can have another call. I'm happy to, you know, talk about, would, you know, experience. On would, energy. Honestly, I would love to have another, like, not so formal call just where you just kind of shoot the shit about kind of your experiences about kind of doing work over there and kind of you, dealing with, you know, your, your stories in India, stories with government. But anyway, but before we get to that, everyone, uh, first off, Jasper, thank you so much for, uh, for, for deciding to take this and, bright and early for you at 6 a.m., everyone. And, uh, and just so everyone knows that this is, again, uh, Jasper Camacho, uh, the man director at uh, Marius, Marius uh, International. Uh, you can find him on LinkedIn. And, uh, Jasper, what's your email real quick? Uh, so it's Jasper, J-A-S-P-E-R dot Camacho at uh, Marius, M-A-R-I-U-S, I-N-T-L dot com. Okay. And, uh, well, obviously we're going to, we're going to, we're going to link you to this and all that stuff when we're done. If anyone has any questions or just wants to reach out, say, uh, tag up with a, with a, with a, with a fellow, uh, American fellow Aggie, uh, wherever he's at and kind of talk to him about, uh, recompleting some wells, because I guarantee you there's a, there's a, uh, there's a huge group of, uh, population here in the States that, uh, would, would be curious to hop on that. So, uh, sure. man, I appreciate it. It's good catching up with you. Uh, we got to get a picture after this and your two brothers. Um, and uh, next time Sounds you get great. to San Antonio to see Oma, let me know. I'd love to yeah, see you. Indeed, all. indeed, indeed. It's been a pleasure, JP. All right, amigo. I'll talk to you soon. And okay. uh, don't hang up. We got off the call. We got to get a picture. All right. Ah, okay, okay. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, this is Jasper Camacho uh, with, uh, with Marius uh, International. And just reach out to him when you can. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll talk to you soon.